If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't go out there. Please, for God's sakes. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. Oh, don't go out there. Don't go out there. Hoy me! Don't go out there. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there, maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone, you can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror, uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors. Check out our interviews if you haven't heard those yet. We got our store. We got some new T-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs if you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. And we also have our social media, fa- uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love, you know, meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You're a big fan of our podcast, a big fan of our show. You want to help support us. That option is available. And we also have one-time donations. If you want to donate and, you know, have a, if you have a film review you want us to do, that option is available as well. All right, guys, let's to the film review. I'm excited to do a film review. Uh, you know, last week we did my birthday bonus. We've done two or three interviews since then as well. Uh, doing that kind of content, I love it. But it also like refuels the fire to do a film review. Uh, I'm excited. We're kicking off February with my theme. We're doing the 2010s decade. So any movie from 2010 to 2019 is available. And first off is Brother Brian's pick. Do you want to announce your pick, brother? Yeah, man. I actually picked 2017's uh, Kong, Skull Island. Um, you know, I <laughs> I picked this because it's been on my list for a while. You know, this is the, the second in the modern day monster verse, which I'm a fan of. Uh, I'll say that with a precursor that 
like Freddy versus Jason, for example. I like these guys more separate than I do in movies together, but they're still fun. Um, this one and the first couple of Godzilla movies are just better, in my opinion. After 2014 Godzilla, they decided to go with a prequel, uh, the prequel route with Kong and take you, you know, to the time period of the Vietnam War. And it just all works to me. I mean, you 100% couldn't make this movie now because you could not afford this cast, without a doubt. Um, they've all blown up since this. Thanks in most part to Marvel. But yeah, I mean, I think this was uh, the most fun of the entire MonsterVerse. Uh, it's gory, uh, but it's lighter. Uh, it's f- Like I said, man, it's just fun. But goddamn, it's a big movie. Like, literally, everything is just so fucking massive in this movie. It just seems epic, you know? I mean, something... I never got from the other monster movie I'd seen or other monster movies I've seen. Um, there are very few moments, one in particular that I think they went a tad too far on the jokes, but uh, like I said, if you can't tell, I like, I like it a lot. All right, I'll go next. I had never seen this movie. I honestly never even heard of it <laughs> until Brian picked it just cause I'm not tapped in with the Godzilla and the King Kong movies, even though brother Dustin did re- relay the message that my people suffered at the hands of Godzilla. <laughs> Many times for my birthday bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got to be honest. The movie to me, this movie is kind of like Morbius to me. No strong feelings. Didn't love it. Definitely didn't hate it. It kind of just was a movie to me. I enjoyed the Kong parts, like the battle action, the action sequences. Those were fun. But I kind of felt like a lot of the character stuff kind of dragged on a little bit. Didn't get invested in any characters except John C. Riley's. But he's so hard to separate from being like Cal Naughton Jr. or stepbrothers to me like i just see those two characters all the time but like i said i don't hate the movie but i definitely don't love it or anything like that nico you should watch for love of the game if you want to see john c Riley in a serious role you like that movie brian i I have a feeling you like for love of the game yeah so i have seen the something about kevin he was that's a serious movie but it's not his movie for the love of the game is fantastic absolutely yeah we we gotta have a discussion sometime about that Kevin movie. There's some funny parts in that shit. But uh, so <laughs> first time I clicked play on this, I accidentally hit Dong Island. That's a different movie altogether. Whoa, but Kong whoa. Skull Island is a, a pretty funny or a pretty fun movie in itself. I uh, I liked it. I think better the first time I ever saw it. Watching it back, I think I, maybe I nitpicked it too much, but it's still a, a movie I really like. There's a phenomenal cast, which Brian mentioned. This cast is, you know, Marvel did a lot to propel them to even bigger stardom. But uh, even beyond the Marvel, the the actors that are in Marvel movies, like the cast is deep and they're they're all very talented. I think it's a well written movie. The comedic touches, I think, are well placed, um, and, and the timing is great. So I've got some some issues with it that I'll I'll point out in my scene by scene analysis, but yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. And like you said, it, it sparked the, uh, or it's you know part of the monster verse, which I also thoroughly enjoy. And I'm excited for that new one we're getting, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. All right. There's no Mike tonight. He's out on the Atlantic ocean being rich, enjoying the views yeah, like know, always. It's, it's funny you say that. I have a direct quote from Mike that I'd like to read on air. Um, he says, can't hear any of this while I sip on $140 bourbon and smoke cigars that aren't legal in the U.S. Y'all take care now. That is a real, real, real quote from Mike. So that is you can that look that up. It's quote. on his Twitter. All right, guys, you got any more opening thoughts? We'll jump into the scene no. by scene. 
Somewhere over the South Pacific, 1944, we see a man falling from the sky and onto the beach as his plane crashes. He draws his gun and shoots at another man on the beach. They're both terrible shots, and they run until they get to a cliff's edge. Hand-to-hand combat now with sword and knives until a giant gorilla hand smacks the ground beside them. The two men look on in fear as we get a title card as opening credits roll with news bits about war, satellites going into space, and new ships gaining new knowledge sailing on new seas. 1973 and protesters are wanting war to end. Randa and Brooks are seeking funding for their exploration. Randa fears with the war ending, they will go bankrupt. They show Senator Willis a satellite image of an unknown island, Skull Island. He believes there's an ecosystem there like we've never seen before. Willis shuts them down, but they keep chasing after and making their pitch. Brooks wins over Senator Willis and Randa asks for a military escort. Vietnam. We meet Colonel Packard watching his troops prepare for withdrawal. Chapman keeps asking if he's okay, but he's clearly not. Packer gets a call from General Ward asking for another mission. He agrees and is excited for another job. Sagon. Randa and Brooks are hunting down a tracker with an impressive record of saving people. They enter the bar and find a man playing pool who gets into a confrontation. They sit him down and make their offer. Conrad wants five times what they offered and a bonus if they make it back. He asks what they're tracking. Weaver is developing photos and gets a call. She's got the Landsat job. She's thrilled. She wants to find out what the media is lying about. Bangkok now, and the soldiers are upset they have another mission. One day away from withdrawal. Weaver surprises everyone that she's a woman. Colonel Packard calls out her work and says they didn't lose the war. All right, Brian's opening set of scenes, what do you think? Uh, I I love this cold open. Uh, Fun fact right off the bat, the original script had this taking place in 1917, but director Jordan Vaught Roberts came in and was like, fuck that, World War II Vietnam era. So I love that choice there by him. I uh, also want to say how absolutely beautifully this movie is shot. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say the way that Vaught Roberts, fuck that, I'm just calling him Roberts, or let's go VR. We're going to go VR. Uh, But the way he uses the sun and the glares, well, I mean, he and director of photography, Larry Fong, I mean, it's one of the most beautifully shot movies I've literally ever seen. I mean, the way the CG and the real camera work is merged together, seamless in my opinion, I can't speak higher enough of that. but yeah, this cold opens a tense as hell. And I like how they didn't hold back on the Kong reveal. I mean, hell, it was like an hour into 2014 Godzilla before we got to see him. But this is like, you know, here he is, motherfuckers. And I love that. Um, the shot moving into Will Britton's eyes when he sees him. Fading into the fire, the title card, great fucking cold open. And the old video footage gets you into the time period perfectly. Uh, well, that and the soundtrack. Um, opening with the time has come today by the Chambers brothers as we get introduced to everybody. And let me just say this and I'll shut up. The cast, like I said, is amazing. Shay Wiggum's Cole may be my favorite. Like he he's so he's so damn good in this. And while we're on that, Hiddleston, I think he's very good in this. His casting reminds me a lot of Adrian Brody in my favorite Predator movie, Predators, uh, where you hear his name and you think, yeah, that I don't know. For this role, that might be mass casting, but I mean, then I watch it, and I'll be damned if he didn't pull it off. And his introduction at the bar, I think, is great. This quote, the quote, and I'll shut up. My father told me never to judge a man by where he drinks, but only how he holds it. What a great fucking line, John Goodman. Yeah, I like the uh, the open with the clouds and the sounds of gunfire and planes. It's a great way to establish the scene, and then we get the timestamp of 1944 and the plane crash. I think that part's really well done. The score accompanying the chase into the jungle is perfect, too. But then we get something even more perfect. Kong's hand coming out of nowhere and his head popping up. That's elite cinematography like that. That's fantastic. 
The opening credits are awesome, too, with the meshing of news clips and articles to bring us forward 30 years. I like that. Then I love John Goodman, man. Like, I love John Goodman. I don't know that I've ever seen John Goodman in a role where I'm like, eh. So he's phenomenal. I got a good laugh when he said it's more like the triangle than the hat. That was fucking, that's what I was talking about with the comedic timing. Because <laughs> he's like, is this like the Bermuda Triangle? It, like, that was great. Yeah. Uh, it's great to see him working with Dr. Dre here. Corey Hawkins, of course, played Dr. Dre in Straight Out of Compton. And then we see Tennessee's own Sam Jackson, another absolute legend. So the cast is phenomenal right off the bat. Next time we see uh, Randa and Brooks, they're in Saigon. And every time I think of Saigon, I think of Chris Farley and Dirty Work and the Saigon whore who bit his nose off. One of my best friends who passed away a few years ago, we used to always call people Saigon whores. That was like our go-to insult. So <laughs> that just it always makes me laugh. R.I.P. Buck. Then we see Loki fucking up Nico's kinfolk with a pit pull cue. It's a great way to establish him. And I do think that Tom Hiddleston is a great actor, but I'm not sure that I would necessarily buy him as an experienced badass tracker, though. Like, he looks too much like a pretty boy for me. So that's what you were saying, Brian. Yeah. He does kill this role. Oh, yeah. Like, he does a great job, but just for what he's supposed to be and the experience he's supposed to have, yeah. I don't know that I buy that. Uh, it is crazy how many okay. MCU alumni are in this movie. Loki, Nick Fury, Captain Marvel, and uh, Corbin Day. I know Nico and Mike both picked up on that when they watched it. But overall, <laughs> this is a, a really good set of establishing scenes. Shout out, my kinfolk. Neves. <laughs> All right, Neve shows a crowd the island they are looking to discover, and Brooks says they will use explosions to move the Earth. Chapman shows them where on the island to be in three days to meet the refuel team. They will have no radio connection on the island. Conrad and Weaver are both snooping around and curious why they need explosives for this mission. Weaver takes pictures of the soldiers hanging out as Mills roasts Chapman's letter. Neve says the storm looks worse than anticipated. He says they need to abort the mission. Marlowe asks Colonel Packard if his crew can punch through this storm. They load up on the helicopters and Mills is not on board with this. He misses his bed and wants to go home. The helicopters take off towards the island. The flight becomes turbulent as they dodge lightning and strong winds. They make it through the storm and see beautiful islands and water. A couple helicopters land and begin unloading equipment. The others start dropping bombs for the seismic charges. Son and Brooks are impressed by the seismic charge readings they're getting. Out of nowhere, a tree is launched into a helicopter, destroying it. A giant hand knocks another chopper to the ground until Kong lifts it into the air, and a soldier falls into Kong's mouth. Chaos ensues as they're all in shock of what they're seeing. The soldiers open fire on Kong, but to little success. Kong takes out the choppers one by one. Colonel Packard has taken the, the fight personally, wanting to kill the son of a bitch. Kong continues to go ham, destroying all the helicopters, and lets out a loud roar. Conrad tells them all choppers are down and they need to head north following the river. Chapman confirms his position to Colonel until the radio signal breaks up. Cole begins eating and Mills is surprised he even has an appetite right now. Packard hugs Mills and Cole. The moment becomes sad as he's, as he's given all the fallen soldiers dog tags. Packard sits down with Randa pointing a gun at him demanding he's told what he knows. Randa was the only survivor on a sinking ship and is determined to discover the ancient species that took them down. I'm sorry for your men. But let's get proof so we can send the cavalry. I am the cavalry, he tells Randa. All right, Brian's next set of scenes. What do you think? Action packed. Oh, absolutely, man. At this point in the movie, I'm locked in and uh, just completely enthralled by everything. The shots, like I mentioned in the first set of scenes, they're just, they're so damn good. And I'm not even talking about the big, beautiful ones, like just the little cuts, like showing the, the mechanisms on the slideshow unit 
as you know they as they changed when Nieves pushed the button. Uh, the the cinematography, the cut choice, the whole thing that to me is a ten out of ten for me, without question. A cool little tidbit about some of these shots, though. Vought Roberts, Dustin, am I the only one that say can't? I can't hear the word Vought without thinking of the boys anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, VR, VR, as I like to call him on the streets, admitted in an interview to be in strongly influenced by video games of his youth, especially the helicopter crash from Resident Evil. You know, and a lot of these first-person POV gunshots from video games. Very cool. Very cool right there. Uh, another little fun fact, the outfit outfit worn by John Goodman's Rhonda, it it's, replicates the outfit worn by Robert Armstrong as Denim in King Kong's 1933. Listen to that review, don'tgooutthere.com, episode 270. And like you mentioned, man, just how damn good was Sam Jackson giving us the story of Icarus as the helicopters flew through that storm? Man, and then we get that shot of the storm clearing while we are focused on the Nixon bobblehead, all leading into Paranoid by Black Sabbath. And you're fucking rocking out, having a good time, being treated to these beautiful shots from VR, like the charges exploding and the pilot's helmet reflection, and then bam, fucking lanced by a tree, and Kong is in this motherfucking house. Man, it's and he looks, man, he looks so amazing. That shot where you where you see him standing in front of the sun with those choppers inbound. Like, God, dude, and Sam Jackson and standing in slow motion on the ground watching Kong use those choppers as baseball bats. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, at this, like I wrote it down in my notes. God damn, this movie is so good. <laughs> Last thing, and I'll get out of here. Toby Kebbell did the motion capture for Kong. Just facial-wise, I think. He played Koba in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes uh, a few years ago before this one. But Terry Notary did the body motion capture. Uh, all of his movements of Kong. Beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. Good job. Good. So I can't lie. After Weaver and Conrad had their talk and they put the record on, the sound that you hear before the music starts playing made me think that Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf was about to play. And that's a huge miss for me. Like that song is awesome. It fits the time period. The lyrics fit the You're situation. Right. And it should have been used instead of what they went with because we hear other big name songs in this. So, you know, they, they had the budget for it. Like, damn, play that. Yeah. This anyway, spent the money. I love how Nevis says there's no other, no way I'm getting out on that chopper or on that helicopter. And the very next shot we see is him getting on the helicopter. I like how that was done. It was much more effective. You don't have to show us them convincing or dragging them on. Like it was so effective, just a, a quick split to him getting on the top on the copter. That was funny. Then elite usage of hold on to your butts. Nice callback from Sam Jackson in Jurassic Park. Love that. Great shots of the choppers flying through the storm. Beautifully done. A crazy shot of the tree flying through the air and taking out one of the helicopters and then Kong's hand swatting at another. Great way to pull us back into the main storyline. Uh, but then the best shot of the movie to me is when Kong stands up in front of the sun and the helicopters are flying towards him. What a shot. Like that is, it's, you know, it's mimicked in the, uh, or, replicated in the movie poster but it's just phenomenal very intense scene when kong just fucking with him just fucking up this whole crew effects look great it's all very well done uh that was an unconventional encounter was a great line i got a good laugh out of that especially the way it was delivered uh this is a solid set of scenes that gets us right back into the action sets the tone for the rest of the movie our conrad leads a crew as brooks and son explain the hollow earth theory a giant water buffalo emerges from the water and heads towards them. Conrad keeps them all calm as they stare at the beast. Buffalo backs away as they breathe a sigh of relief. 
Packer tells his men the others didn't die in vain as they head towards Chapman. A soldier is killed by a giant spider leg impaling him through the mouth. All hell breaks loose as they fight off the spider. Mills is pulled up but begins cutting himself free. The others cuts its leg off. The spider collapses and Packard puts several bullets into its head. Conrad and his crew stumble upon an ancient tribe's lair. Weaver discovers the tribe is there camouflaged amongst the walls. Hank Marlowe emerges in disbelief they're here. Hank gets the tribe's people calmed down and says they don't want to be outside at night and follow him. Chapman is getting some water until Kong appears. He takes off running and hides amongst the rocks. Kong gets a drink of water until he grabs hold of a giant octopus and the creatures begin the fight. Kong gets the upper hand and has a nice calamari dinner. Chapman sits in disbelief of what he saw. Hank tells Weaver the wall isn't designed to keep Kong out, something else. The elders give Hank and the others a nod of approval to stay. Weaver is in shock he's been stuck here since 1944. Hank leads him inside this abandoned ship that's become a temple. Conrad is in awe of the drawings and the artwork. Hank tells him Kong is king around here. He says the skull crawlers are what killed his, fr- his friend and using that name is trying to scare them. The bombs woke up a bunch of the crawlers. Kong fights off two of the crawlers and we learn that Kong's whole family was taken out by the giant skull crawler. He laughs at them thinking they can make it to the north end of the island in three days. Not on foot at least. All right, Bryce, the next set of scenes, what'd you think? Yeah, apparently a lot of these sets were built at Kualoa Ranch in Hawaii, uh, near the same filming locations as Jurassic World. And, you know, knowing that, some of these shots, like in this set of scenes, the guys are trying to find their way around the terrain. You can definitely see that, like especially the field. It reminded me a lot of the shots in Jurassic World with the kids roaming in those in those viewing pods, you know, before they're attacked at the beginning. Um, a lot of this was also shot on location in Vietnam as well. Apparently, a lot of the cast, and especially VR, said they fell in love with the country while filming. It's definitely beautiful. Definitely beautiful. Right, Nico? But uh, anyway, I love the mixture of the creatures that weren't threats in here. I mean, this is an isolated ecosystem. And yeah, I mean, these these other creatures would be there. And I'm glad they had the technology and the budget to, to show these, you know? I mean, great job. Now, the ones that were threats, these motherfucking tall-ass spiders in the woods? Holy shit. And those things are scary as hell. And it had crab claws? God damn. VR said that... uh kill with the leg through the mouth was actually inspired by cannibal holocaust i wouldn't know i actually have not seen that movie so i don't really plan to unless one of you guys i guess pick it or something but i'm good i don't know maybe that's on the i don't think we're ever going to review list but anyway that entire sequence was holy shit man i loved it Uh, last thing little fun fact about the set of scenes brie larson actually doubles as one of the natives they encounter on here and knowing that right when john c Riley says i told you it's fine and it shows close-ups of everyone lowering their spears, you can definitely see which one is her. I don't know why they didn't just stick her in one of the masks or whatever that they were covered up. Like, there were a couple of them that had masks on. I don't know why they... Anyway. And how fucking beautiful was that shot of Chapman in the water? And then Kong walks up. I mean, just the detail on his fur. I mean, you can see the flies around him during that scene. It's just, it's astonishing to me. I mean, I'm not sure what that budget was. I think Dustin's going to touch on that at the end. But goddamn, the entire team at ILM just once again proving why they're the industry standard, and rightfully so. I mean, it's the most expensive VFX company in the world. <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, the least amount of stuff I've got uh, for tonight. But we get a cool we get cool looks at some of the other monsters on the island here. And then a great jump scare when Weaver is looking through a camera lens at the wall and the eyes open. I thought that was very tense, very well done uh, with all the 
Guardians guarding the wall or whatever. I love John C. Riley, man. One of my favorite comedic actors. His character always brings uh, great comedic flair to any movie he's in. So I, I thought he was great in this movie. Really cool paintings on the stones inside the wrecked ship. It's like, uh, you know, wall paintings or so, something, but it wasn't just on one wall. So I like the way that was done. I laughed the whole exchange when Marlo tells him they're called skull crawlers. He goes, well, it sounded cooler before I said it out loud. Like, that was shit. That was good shit. That's hilarious. Right. This set of scenes, it was just okay to me because it was a lot of story progression, but I do, I feel like it drug a little bit. And so the, this is a two hour movie. If they were going to cut anything on the runtime, I think it could have been here. Packard and his men are walking through a swamp and he shoots a bird causing the flock to all fly away. <clears throat> Hank takes them to the boat he was working on. It's called the gray Fox and she does float. They begin working on the boat and Weaver takes pictures of the tribe people. She lets him play with the camera as well. Weaver hears shrieks from a distance and exits the wall. She sees a buffalo with a helicopter stuck on top of it, and she attempts to help lift the helicopter off the animal, but to no success. Kong appears and makes light work of the chopper. Kong stands over her but walks away to her relief. Packard sees Kong's bloody handprint on a mountain and says we take him out when we get the weapons from Chapman. Brandon thinks the creature is magnificent. Hank is in shock they're in a cold war with Russia. They used to be allies. He's upset the Cubs haven't won a World Series yet. Chapman radios to his men, but but no success. He realizes he's sitting on a giant stick bug and opens fire on it. The bug retreats, but Chapman is killed by a skull crawler. Later that night, they, they let Hank hear the new music as Victor stresses over the boat, making it to the north end of the island. Conrad and Weaver are in awe of the beautiful lights. He tells her of his grandfather in the war. Randa says the mission is folly. Packard says Kong is the enemy. Hank shows them Gunpie's gravesite and tells his story. They became like brothers. Hank is ready to get off the island. They get the boat cranked up and they grow sad seeing the tribe. Hank says goodbye and thanks them. They nod in approval when he says, look him up if they're ever in Chicago. The boat exits the wall and heads north. Hank tells him about his wife and his son he never met. Slifko says she definitely thinks he's dead. Hank just wants to see them one more time. Radio signal finally goes through and Mills has Packard send up a flare. The vibes are immaculate until Victor is grabbed by carnivorous birds and pulled to pieces. Our Bryce, next set of scenes, what'd you think? I, I do like the scene at the start of this between Brie Larson and Kong and him lifting the helicopter off of that ox creature thing. A very nice callback to the 33 version. But also, I mean, just a, not, a needed non-action, non-speaking character moment that just reinforces what we were just told by John C. Riley's character about who Kong is. And honestly, I'm not much of a Brie Larson fan. I mean, mostly stemming from her work in the MCU. But in this movie, she does a very good job. Like, her acting there after Kong walks away stood out to me. And to me, she sold it. Um, a lot of good character moments in this entire set of scenes, honestly. John C. Riley tearing, telling uh, John Ortiz that he was going to kill him by the end of the night dragged me up. Uh, and then that whole thing with the natives and the saying goodbye, I liked that. I mean, in this era of short YouTube attention spans, like that kind of stuff is usually cut. Uh, and I think that it was pivotal. I, I think that that adds so much to not just this movie, but just movies in general, like even Oppenheimer. I mean, people balk at the runtime, but so much of that is needed for you to feel the way that they want you to feel about that story. And you know, anyway, I loved it. And that break is needed because, I mean, with 45 minutes left of this movie, it's pretty much balls to the wall action the rest of the way for the most part. And then, I don't know, man, 
Nieves being ripped apart by those pterodactyl type things. Maybe my favorite kill. But I don't know, man. The kills are great to me in this. But it was it was very it was very good to see him go. He got on my damn nerves. Um and like that, I mean, this is another I guess it was kind of like that uh company guy in the first Jurassic Park that got eaten by the T Rex while he's sitting on the toilet. That's how that's how that's how he kind of that's the character he sold for me. That's kind of my comparison. Uh sorry to John Ortiz from Fast and the Furious for American Gangster and that crappy Alien versus Predator Part Two, but fuck that guy. I'm I'm glad his character bit it right there. Go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, so there's no way in hell that I'd go wading through waist-high water knowing what's on this island. Fuck that. I like the progression of the story from the open, knowing that Marlo and and uh, the Japanese guy that you know went chasing each other into the jungle, they ended up hashing things out and working together for a while and getting close. That's cool. That's nice. I hate, 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 though, when movies pu- uh, push political propaganda that's complete nonsense. We have to stop spreading misinformation. Of course they had to tell Marlo that we put a man on the moon. Cap. Never happened. Anyway. Jesus. I'm not sure why <laughs> not sure why Buddy emptied a clip on Groot though. But he's a good guy. He's on the Guardian side. Not upset at what happened to him at all. <laughs> asshole. Nico, uh, who's Groot? Yeah, who's Groot? I don't know. I don't know. Groot. <laughs> Ain't that Star uh, Wars? Like Star Wars related? Star, I swear <laughs> to God, Did, Star Wars, Star Wars, uh, hey, Guardians of the Galaxy, Kong, my guy. We're doing Kong Skull Island. Get back to it. <laughs> oh my God! All right, for Sci-Fi Month, I'm picking Guardians of the Galaxy one. There we go. That doesn't count. Boom. It does. A sci-Fi. This is Sci-Fi as you can get, actually. Anyway. Uh, I like the birds taking Nieves out here. They did, get, they did a great job at l- luring us into a false sense of security with the touching stories and the two groups finding each other, and then bam, that was well done. This is a, a much better set of scenes than the last. They park the boat and all meet up at the rendezvous point. Packard and Hank salute each other. Hank tells them we can't go west. That's where the skull crawlers are. Conrad says we need to be back by night. Loud and clear, Packard tells him. Hank jokes, this is a this is a funny set of scenes. Hank jokes, this is a good group of men to die with. They make it to where Kong's parents were killed. Hank tells him this is a big no-no to cross through. Packer refuses to leave Chapman behind. They walk amongst the skeletons, and Cole almost kills he and Mills, throwing a cigarette on the ground, igniting the fumes. A skull crawler appears, and they run and hide. It pukes up a skull with Chapman's dog tag with it. They rally up, but Randa is grabbed by the skull crawler and eaten. They open fire on the charging animal to no, to not much success. They break out the flamethrower, igniting the beast on fire. Gas grenades catch on fire, sending the birds into a frenzy. Conrad goes hand with a sword, killing these birds. Weaver tosses the lighter at the beast, igniting fumes, killing the creature. Hank says we need to turn back. That's only one of those beasts. Conrad tells him Chapman is dead. Packard wants to kill Kong, but everyone tells him Kong is good for the ecosystem. Conrad says he's taking the civilians back to the boat and they'll wait for them there. Packer takes lead of his men and, and head to the crash site. He finds Chapman's letter and knife and tells Mills to ensure they get to his family. Conrad and Weaver look for high ground as Hank tells them to keep their eyes open for giant ants. Packer tells the men to get everything they can, including the seismic charges. They light a fire to get Kong's attention. Kong appears in front of Conrad and Weaver. She touches his face gently. She smiles as Kong's eyes water. Kong turns around and leaves them as he sees the explosions. Conrad and Weaver make it back to the others and tell them to go back to the boat 
and leave at dawn regardless if they make it back. And Hank says he's he's going with them to save Kong. In the next set of scenes of the inning, Brian, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, like I said, just balls to the wall the rest of the way. <laughs> Except some of these fucking gold lines from Riley here. He's, we have a saying here, east is best, west is worst, and that's why we say it. <laughs> We're all going to die out here together. I love it, man. Riley was so great in that part. <laughs> fucking fantastic. Uh, man, and we finally get to see the big bad, these damn skull crusher things. And god damn, man, they're scary as hell. I, I did like that. Another nod to uh, Jurassic Park. I think it was three when Rhonda gets eaten and his flash bulb is still going off inside that skull crusher. Like old dude whose uh, camera was going off in there. Or no, the phone was going off inside that Spinosaurus in Jurassic Park three. Um, I don't know why the hell it took him so long to use that torch guy, though. I mean, shit, like, but he's so overpowered, basically, that it's kind of good that they the script got rid of them because he, good thing he got tail whipped so quick because, you know, they would have been out of danger pretty soon because that dude was fucking lighting some people up with that flamethrower. But now my only nitpicks or complaints really about the whole movie to me is in the set of scenes, like the whole Conrad being tossed a sword and then going basically slow motion superhero ninja on the birds then Weaver tossing that lighter into gas to kill one of the skull crushers. It just was, that just wasn't for me. It just didn't work for me. I did not care for that part at all. The movie up to that point had been as grounded as possible for a hundred foot gorilla fighting the other monsters. But that for me, just, just that, that part took it out of it for me. And there's absolutely no shot that I would go looking for Chapman. Sorry, buddy. You're on your own. We got to get the fuck out of here. I really hate the whole cigarette part. Like, you don't have time for that. Like, you can't walk and smoke at the same time. And then he chucks a cigarette that he just lit. And it just so happens to spark an, ex- an explosion. I hate that. Like, I absolutely hate that. I'm glad we got to see uh, Chapman's dog tags, though. At least we get some confirmation that he is actually dead. Uh, Triceratops Skull is the perfect place to set up a 50 caliber gun. That was dope. Like, that's 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 cool shit. Like that. Some pretty cool visuals when Conrad was samuraiing it up with his gas mask on. But something about the visuals of this whole scene seem off to me. Like, they look cool. Don't get me wrong. They look great. But it just feels out of place. The coloration when they got to the mass grave and then the blue glass, uh, blue gas cloud just didn't work for me because it felt out of place. Nothing else in the movie had been, you know, color like that. Everything else was pretty crystal clear and looked like regular outside. So I don't know. That didn't really work. Great usage of the one F word that we're allowed in a, a PG-13 movie. Sounds like a bird, but it's a fucking ant. Like, I laughed. I fucking, I <laughs> loved it. And I expected, <laughs> if you hear that there's an F word in a PG-13 movie that has Samuel L. Jackson in, you'd think it's going to be him saying motherfucker, but nope, John C. Riley loved it. And they cut uh, that off right, right at the end yeah. too. Whenever he was about right at to the say end, that. he 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 hints like he's going to drop his catchphrase, but real ones, no, he's not allowed to say a second one. So, but uh, right. Kong, Kong, just like me for real. I too have a habit of looking at beautiful women and then just walking away without saying a word. Girls are scary, <laughs> <laughs> but this is an okay set of scenes. There was the stuff that I mentioned that that took me out of it a little, but. Still okay overall. I'm just ready to go home at this point, though. All right, guys. Here's the ending. And there, this is a lot of action, so I'm not going to do this scene justice, so just go watch the movie. Kong beats his chest and roars at Packard and charges them. They ignite the water Kong is in, lighting him on fire. Kong begins to kill the soldiers, but then collapses. Packard says it's time to show man is king. 
Conrad arrives telling him don't do it. He tells him to put down the detonator. Slivko turns on Packard now. The giant skull crawler emerges from below water. They take off running, except Packard. Kong awakes and kills Packard with a fist bump. Round one of Crawler vs. Kong commences. San and Brooks leave in the boat. Conrad has Weaver get to high ground and shoot off a flare. Cole stays behind to buy them time, but is killed by the crawler and buys them no extra time. Crawler pursues them until Kong appears, bashing it with a giant rock. Round two commences. Weaver sets off the flare. Kong Barry bonds the crawler with a tree, but Kong is knocked down and slides into a sunken ship. Kong is tangled amongst chain and debris. Brooks opens fire on the crawler with the 50 cal. Crawler KOs Kong with a tail swipe briefly, but he gets free of the chains as Weaver shoots a flare into the crawler's skull. Conrad distracts the crawler from the boat as Kong launches a boat propeller into its back. Round three commences and Weaver is knocked off the cliff into the water below. Kong saves Weaver from the water with his giant hand as the crawler bites his arm. It wraps his tongue around his arm, biting Kong. Kong rips his tongue and organs out his gut, killing the crawler. Weaver is still alive and he places her down safely, walking away. Conrad gets to her and she awakes, coughing up water. She and Conrad hug in relief. The boat sails away and Mills jokes about going to Key West. Weaver says it won't be them telling the world about Skull Island. She takes, she takes Hank's picture, who is in shock he's leaving the island. The rescue choppers arrive and we see Kong beat his chest and let out a roar. We now see a clean-shaven Hank being dropped off at his wife and son's house. She is in pure shock seeing him. They hug and embrace as his son is completely at a loss. And the film ends with Hank eating a hot dog, drinking a beer, watching the Cubs. All right, Brian, what do you think about that ending? Man, Kong smashing Packard and all that blood on his hands. Dude, the kills are so good. I, I don't even know which one's my favorite, to be honest. Speaking of that, Cole with the grenades. It's such a catch-22 with that kill to me. Like, it's the most memorable, probably. It's funny as shit. But it almost seemed out of place. Like, I didn't need... I don't know if I wanted to laugh there at that part. Uh, it's weird because I loved it, but I also didn't. So I don't know. I mean, there's definitely no doubt that it's funny as hell. I just wish, maybe it wish that it had been in a different part of the movie. I don't know. Either way, this fucking battle is epic as hell. We get Kong using fucking weapons, stripping that tree of all the branches before he uses it like a baseball bat was awesome. I love the ending. Now the credit scene with Marlo making it home and the meeting his son, that kind of cracked me up a little bit because like you get this touching scene with his family and then it shows him just sitting by himself watching the baseball game on the couch alone. Like, I don't know. It just kind of hit me as ironic, but great ending to a great movie in my opinion. So we get a badass shot of Kong walking through the fire. I'm a little disappointed in how he just collapsed though. I mean, it's logical given he just walked through fire and gunshots, but still it's disappointing. I don't know. Felt a little, little bit let down. It's a great setup, though, for the big one to come out of the ground. And Packard just, he, he got a just ending. Sam Jackson is my guy, but he was a real dick in this movie. And now all his men who he was avenging had their dog tags lost forever instead of being returned to their families. Asshole. Cole's death was funny to me, though. Like, hilariously funny. Man expected to be eaten up and blow up the big one from within and be the hero, but he didn't get to be the hero. He was just swatted up against the mountain. That shit was awesome. The final showdown between the two monsters was awesome, though. Great choreography and great drama when Kong was trapped by the chains. Pretty gnarly when Kong ripped its tongue out. That was a great kill. Uh, great scene yes. that Marlo got home and met his son. That was a touching way to end the movie. It was a very solid ending overall. 
All right, guys, you got any final thoughts on the ending before you just jump into social media? I'll start with Instagram tonight. Jesse Craft commented, I love this part of the tram ride at Universal. I bet that would be cool. I mean, I didn't get to see it, but I bet it was cool. Jay Hambrick 88 commented, I'm not the biggest fan of Kong. I like Godzilla more, but I do love this movie and Kong's look. Samuel L. Jackson also said his line from Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts in this movie. Sorry, guy, I can't, I can't fucking read tonight. I'm like Floyd Mayweather tonight. Over on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Trey, Tomahawk and Noel commented, best Kong movie made by a mile. Okay. Uh, Facebook now, Jared Summers. Great pick, Brian. Really enjoyed this one. I've been a Kong and Godzilla fan since I was a kid. Shout out to Dustin for giving minus one some much-deserved love. I also yeah. recently finished Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, which ties in with Skull Island. And while it wasn't exactly what I was hoping for, I would recommend checking it out if y'all haven't. Okay. Cheyenne Turner commented, man, this was a hell of a good time at the theater. I loved it. I bet this movie was awesome, like in IMAX or at the theater. I bet it, I bet it did kick ass. Sean Irwin commented, freaking love this movie. It's a good time. Some brutal kills and excellent acting by John Goodman. John Goodman doesn't miss. He is always very good. Big and that's it for social media if y'all got fun facts. <laughs> every time I think of John Goodman, I, you know, he's great and everything, but I always think of Big Dan Teague from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Uh, yeah, the copyrights of the Kong franchise are apparently pretty complicated. The novelization of King Kong for 1933 is now in the public domain. But one small difference between the movie and the novelization is the name of the Captain Inglehorn's ship. Like in the movie, it's the Venture. But in the novel, it's the Wanderer. And that rusted out hull, the, the Wanderer, is in this movie. So as a nod to the, to the novel. Um, and the last one I have is uh, director Jordan Vaught Roberts co-wrote and appeared in the honest trailers of his own movie, uh, highlighting some legitimate flaws with the film, such as, you know, massive, in his own words, structural problems, lacking of character arcs for most of the human cast, and the fact that there are too many human characters to begin with. However, he still stood by the film and attacked the video made on the film by CinemaSins shortly before Honest Trailers was released. He also spent some time on Twitter attacking CinemaSins for their video on the film pretty harshly, calling them trolls and countering some specific quote-unquote sins. So i got a few. Uh, pardon me if I repeat any that you said throughout. I, I tried to erase them as I went, but I had a lot more. Uh, originally, the movie was over three hours long. However, it was cut down to one hour, 58 minutes in length. Elements of the movie's extended plot that didn't make it into the final cut that can be found in the novelization include... Conrad's encounter with a giant snake and an extended fight sequence between Marlo and Gunpei, Gun, Gunpei, Gunpei. I don't remember how he said it. Uh, Michael Keaton and J.K. Simmons were originally attached to the film, but both had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts. I know Brian was super upset about Keaton not being in it. That's his guy. Bill Randa mentions that he has been trying to prove that monsters exist for 30 years, which is the same dialogue that John Goodman's character Howard Stambler said in 10, Clover, 10 Cloverfield Lane, a movie I hope we never do. Thomas Middlebitches. Yeah, I've heard that, but they also said Cloverfield was good. And you know how you and I feel about that one. I'm glad Brian's not listening right now. Uh, Thomas Middleditch is the voice on the phone with Brie Larson, and he would go on to have a much bigger role in the MonsterVerse as Sam in Godzilla King of the Monsters, where he actually got to be on screen. So that was cool. Last one I have is that Russell Crowe was considered for a role. That's a great actor. I don't, I can't, I don't, I would, I want to know what that role was because. I don't really see it unless it was the senator that Richard Jenkins played. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Russell Crowe, Michael Keaton, 
Jake Hastings, yeah. they're all great. I mean, that's, yeah. that's three big names. Uh, I'll do the budget since Mike is out on uh, – I can't remember. Is he in the Gulf or the Atlantic? He's doing some rich people shit tonight. But anyway, yeah, he the rented budget, out a yacht. He's selling somewhere. That's right. Estimated, according to IMDb, $185 million. Whew, that's a lot of money. But the gross worldwide is $568 million. Six hundred and fifty-two thousand eight hundred and twelve dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's like half of that's Brian's like, salary. That's like, that's like yeah, so I'm saying like Brian's quarterly. Yeah, like crazy man is living over there. <laughs> uh, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. I'll kick us off. I don't. I don't have a lot of thoughts. Favorite kill. I had a lot to pick from. I, I did like the uh, the birds killing Victor Nieves. Let me correct myself from earlier. Apologize about mispronouncing his name earlier. The birds killing him was a good kill. The spider leg going through the soldier's mouth and body was a really good kill. But I got to give my favorite kill to the very first soldier that fell out of the helicopter in the Kong's mouth. Just because that scene caught me off guard and I thought it was really cool. I really like that scene. So that's my favorite kill. Least favorite kill, I'm going to go with Sam Jackson. Just because I thought he deserved a little bit more brutal of a death. But it is PG-13, so I guess that might have something to do with it. But it would have been cool if, like, Kong would have just grabbed him and, like, squeezed him to death. That would have been a cool death. Like I mentioned in the beginning, uh, no really strong thoughts, similar to Morbius. I enjoyed the action scenes, but I thought a lot of the character stuff drugged. John C. Riley was the best part. He was funny. And he was a little, you know, the, his scene at the end was emotional. I feel bad for his wife. She hasn't seen his her husband in years. And then she drops two milkshakes on the floor. She's got to clean that up. Uh, not the best way to spend your day after your husband gets back, but... I enjoy the movie. Would I watch it again? Sure. Anytime soon? Nah, because it's two hours. It's kind of long. Pause. But I'll give the movie a six. It was enjoyable, but nothing that I want to watch anytime soon. Okay. Let me go ahead and get mine out of the way then. Uh, save Brian for last since it's his pick. Favorite kill to me was the spider leg down the throat. It was fucking awesome. It was unexpected. It did a great job of establishing that the other monsters are a threat in this movie to everyone. So I liked it. Least favorite kill was Jack. He shot at a guardian of the galaxy and then died off screen. All we got was a little blood splatter. Lame. As for the, uh, <laughs> the rating and my final thoughts, I said it, I think, when we did the 1933 King Kong. I grew up watching the King Kong movies, like the 1976 one I've seen probably the most. And uh, I like this movie as well. It's entertaining. It's got a good story, good cinema, great cinematography. And the effects are top notch for the most part. And it's very well acted. But I did have those issues I mentioned before. So while I like it, I didn't really love it. It is a little long. Pause, and you can feel it. Pause. I give it a 7.25. Spider legs uh, down the throat was actually my nickname in college, Dustin. Um, anyway, my uh, favorite my favorite kill was, man, either Cole with the grenade being tossed in the mountain or one of those soldiers impaled by the fucking huge-ass spider thing in the woods. Uh, I didn't really have a least favorite kill at all. And I don't really have a whole lot to sum it up besides the fact, you know, I, I, I picked this movie because it's been on my list for a long time. Uh, every time I watch it, I'm like, man, God damn, this is such a good movie. Uh, it's something I forget about. But then, like I said, once it's either on TV, I'm like, God damn, it's such a good movie. It's not perfect. There are some some issues, but I did give it a 9.25. Okay. Heck Yeah. So that gives us a composite rating of a 7.5. IMDb has it as a 6.7, and Rotten Tomatoes has it at 75%. Heck yeah. Almost dead on. 
Uh, y'all got any final thoughts for your shout out our blood donors? And I'll announce Mike's pick for next week. Blood donors, I really appreciate y'all. Final girl donor, a new one, Anita Russell. Her pick is Pitch Black. We'll be reviewing that in a few weeks. Camper level reoccurring, Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, and Michael Evans. Camp counselor reoccurring, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Shan, Adrian Aiello, Karen, Brian Samick, Andrew Ferguson, Matt Strickland, Brooke Maley, Thorne David Phillips, and Heather Superdoc. Really appreciate y'all's support. It means a lot to us. It takes a big burden off of us. Making this podcast ain't free, and y'all, y'all, y'all really help us out. We, it means a lot. Mike's pick next week is 2019's Us, Jordan Peele's second movie. I'm excited to talk about that one. It's a, it's an interesting flick, and uh, I'm excited to hear what my fellow co-hosts think about it. Y'all got any final yeah. thoughts before we get out of here? But before that, don't we have another episode coming out? Yes, we do. We'll also be recording our first episode of our sideshow, the DGOT, the series. We're going to be reviewing the first two episodes of The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, and, we, you know, we had a couple fans ask, there's no second podcast or anything. It's going to be in the main feed. We're going to have different artwork so you can tell the difference and we'll have everything titled differently. But I'm excited to start reviewing shows uh, and movies. A little razzle-dazzle. We're going to be behind this damn computer and mic all week, it seems like, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot we're of fun. Gonna be watching a, we're going to be watching a TV show, a movie, or behind the computer. <laughs> yeah. Facts. But anywho, uh, Brian, it was, good, it was good to get back to film reviews. I'm sorry I read like Floyd Mayweather tonight. I guess we're all rusty from uh, doing interviews and birthday bonuses, but we'll get back into the swing of things. Really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody.